Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine, custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome everyone to another episode of Revolution Recap. The refs earned their biggest win of the season with a 4-0 victory over Club de Foot Montreal. This game had a beautiful long-range shot from Dylan Barrero, a penalty kick from Carlos Hill, a Bobby Wood goal that put the game out of reach, and a Yakimo Vriomi goal assisted by Georgie Petrovic. A dominant 90 minutes from the Revolution over a Montreal team that has a defense that falls apart faster than Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. I am Greg Johnstone. Joining me today to discuss the most fun Revs match of 2023 so far is Sam Minton of the Blazing Musket. Sam, how are you doing tonight? I mean, I'm doing so amazing after that reference. Great uh, Shane O'Mac reference. Love that. But yeah, great win for the Revolution. Everybody is happy. There's no reason to be sad. And Giacomo Veroni found the back of the net. I mean, it was quite literally the perfect night for New England. Yes, I have to work one wrestling reference in whenever Sean is not on the podcast to tell me to cut it out, so I'm getting it out of the way early. Uh, And Sam, we also need to get our key takeaways out of the way early, and these key takeaways are brought to you by our friends at The Rebellion. Go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about how you can get involved with supporter culture. Uh, Sam, what is your key takeaway on this wonderful 4 nothing evening uh, uh, in Montreal, or against Montreal? I mean, for me, you know, after Bruce told me uh, that, you know, asking about uh, Veroni was kind of stupid and I need to get it out of my head, it has to be Giacomo Veroni coming in off the bench again, but being able to find the back of the net. And you could just see it in his celebration, just how much that goal meant to him. It was, it was a great goal, great effort by him, you know, being able to curl it, uh, you know, into the bottom corner. It was just a real great individual play. And those can be the moments that kind of jumpstart a player doing quite well and obviously there's going to be plenty of competition Bobby Wood found the back of the net Gustavo Bo another great game but I think it was a very big goal for Giacomo Veroni and it'll just be interesting to see how he can build off this and maybe we even see him make his way back into the starting 11. It's interesting that we get this goal from him and before this goal I didn't I, I still had kind of the same frustrations it's hard to kind of see a lot from someone out of th- in 30 minutes in a three nothing game when the game is kind of over. Um, the last time I was on, I, I think I kind of made my opinion clear that I am a little skeptical on Brioni and I really don't like the Brioni books comparisons. Uh, now, since, since my last appearance on the podcast, I believe both Chris and Tanner and Sean have all made Brioni books uh, uh, comparisons and have said to, to kind of hold off on the criticism of Brioni, but uh we really have not seen a lot from Brioni, and I think this goal is the spark or the something that we have seen from him that I think is is kind of the, the something we can cling on to hope and say, there it is. This is it. Uh, received the ball perfectly from that goal kick from Petrovic, ran through the midfield, took on multiple defenders. I, I couldn't tell if he was setting the teeing up the ball or if he lost it a little bit behind him, but still a great shot, a really, a really powerful shot from outside the box, a beautiful goal. Before this, I didn't. Before that one spark, I, I didn't think he was necessarily that involved in the game. Um, I, I still have my doubts about Rioni, 
But I think getting this goal, I believe it's his first goal from the run of play uh, with the New England Revolution. His only other goal with the Revs uh, in, in the regular season game has been a penalty kick. So this is something. It's something to build on. It's some skill that we've seen. Great. I don't know if he's starting because, and we can talk about Bobby Wood a little bit. Bobby Wood, I thought, outside of his pretty poor uh, missed header in the fourth minute, I thought he played pretty good. I think he connects well with this team a lot better than Brioni does. Uh, he's involved in... Uh, some passing. Uh, he has two assists on the season. He scored his second goal tonight. Um, I don't think Bobby Wood is a world beater by any means, but I think you watch the 60 minutes and Bobby Wood's involved and you look at the 30 minutes Frioni is involved in, I think Bobby Wood is clearly more connected with this team and I don't see him leaving the starting lineup right now. But with that being said, it's really good to see something from Frioni that makes us think, okay, there's the guy they went out and bought last year. Yeah, exactly. And especially against Montreal, you could see it in the defenders and just overall the type of game they were playing. They were quite physical. I think there was one point where Brioni basically got whacked in the head and I think that drew a yellow card. So they were playing quite physical and he was being able to work through that. So credit to him. But to get into the Bobby Wood talk, just his hold up play has been superb. You know, again, he was able to to score that goal. Obviously, there was kind of an error there, misjudgment by the Montreal defender, but Bobby was able to capitalize, and that's what you need from a striker. You know, when someone makes mistakes, being able to capitalize on those and find the back of the net. So credit to him. And it's going to be really tough. He seems to work quite well with Gustavo Bo and the rest of the team, like you mentioned. But you also, too, have to give Giacomo Veroni time to kind of work through this. You've got the time off the bench. But a game against Montreal, a team that kind of struggles, and has been performing quite poorly. It would have been a, nice to see Giacomo Veroni get the start and maybe see what he can do in a complete 90 minutes. But it is tough with how well uh, Bobby Wood is playing. But again, n- nice to see Giacomo find the back of the net, and it'll be interesting to see just how he builds off this performance. And it's going to be interesting to see how he's used going forward because we've seen Josie come off the bench the past couple of weeks over Veroni. Vrioni comes out first tonight. I think the scoreline had a lot to play with it. So I wonder if Rioni is going to get an opportunity as striker off of the bench or, or first guy coming off the bench as opposed to Josie uh, going forward if, if he's not starting. So um, I have a couple of players that I just want to point out that I thought played fantastic. Dylan Barrero, if you watch this game, you were impressed with Dylan Barrero. Um, I mean, he was also a $4 million guy they went out and bought last year. A phenomenal, phenomenal game. Um, that that goal in the 21st minute we are going to be seeing all year. I'm sure it's a potential goal of the year for the Rebs. Um, great shot. Uh, he was all over the place in this game. He had another uh, potential goal early in the game where Wood lays off the ball to Heel. Heel makes a perfect uh, through ball into the box that Barrero is running onto, and the goalkeeper had great instincts to get off his line and uh, collect it first. But I thought Barrero was going to score there. Uh, 25, or sorry, 27 for 35 passing. That's 30. Oh boy. I cannot talk tonight. Boy, 27 for 35 and passing That's 77% pass accuracy. He had three chances created, uh, 51 touches, two successful dribbles, three for six on crossing. I thought he was also going to set up, uh, Gustavo Bo on a cross. I don't know sometime in the first half, uh, but him heel uh, and by had some uh, nice passing going. He slid a ball up for a bow. It looked like it was going to be a goal, but it was cut out uh, at the last possible minute. Uh, seven recoveries, uh, one interception was not dispossessed once. Three for three on ground duels. Uh, a really, really strong game by Dylan Barrero. All, by the way, all of these stats are provided by FootMob. Uh, so if you're not on the Dylan Barrero train by now, you should be. A phenomenal game from him. Uh, and I also got to give a shout out to uh, Latif Blessing. I thought this was his best game with the Rebs. Uh, he was all over the place. He might be my player of the game. 41 for 43 passing, 95% pass accuracy. He also had three chances created, uh, 57 touches in 
what, 62-ish minutes. Uh, three for three on dribbles, six passes into the final third, two for three on tackles, 11 recoveries. Uh, I believe he was dispossessed once, dispossessed twice, uh, and he was seven for 10 on ground duels. Both these guys all over the place. Both the guys dominant in this game. Uh, Montreal didn't have an answer for either of them. Latif Blessing seemed like he was everywhere all at once, um, and Barrero was giving nightmares uh, to Montreal, setting up everything. Uh, both these players played phenomenally, and it's hard. If I, if I was to give a match of the game to one of these guys, um, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Uh, phenomenal games from both of them, and, and they deserve all the applause in the world. Yeah, you know, Bruce Arena was once again kind of talking about the consistency factor when it comes to Dylan Barrero, but he called tonight one of his best performances. And I, that goal was just absolutely spectacular, being able to put that in the top corner. And it was kind of funny, Dewan Jones said after the game, I see that in practice, I'm doing that three or four times. So he definitely has that skill. And he, especially in this game, seeing him be able to blow by defenders, you know, again, it kind of reminds me of Tejon Buchanan. He's not on that level yet. Still got some work to do, but kind of that Tejon Buchanan-esque play that the Revolution have sort of been missing ever since his departure. So another great game for him, and when it comes to Latif, he just does all the little things, some of the things you might, you know, miss just with his energy, his, his bite, you know, being able to go into tackles, being able to, you know, cause tur- turnovers. It's absolutely great. And I think something, too, uh, that might get overlooked is just having him in the locker room. It was interesting. After... Uh, the win you know he's talking to media and he just talked about how important it is to you know win games at home and just with his experience at LAFC being able to win a championship have him come here the ultimate goal for the revolution is finally to be able to win an MLS cup and I think obviously his play on the field is absolutely you know it's great and he's such a great addition on the field but I think off the field as well too a locker room someone who has been able to win and you know lift a trophy especially recently, I think it's really important for this team. He seems to be another great move by Bruce along with, you know, the likes of Dave Romney and Bobby Wood. Bruce has had quite the offseason when it comes to these inter-MLS moves. It's really the opposite of 2022, where I didn't feel that there was many great moves made uh, outside of Petrovic and Dylan Barrero. Petrovic, we all knew last year, was an amazing move. Dylan Barrero looks like an amazing move right now. Uh, But pretty much everything, it seems like... um, Bruce Arena did in the offseason has paid dividends and blessing coming back this week uh, and playing the way he did uh, really showing off his potential and is really fitting into this team very well. Uh, One thing that I do want to ask you here, Sam, and maybe I jumped the gun a little bit here. Uh, This is the first game. Noel Buck did not start. I personally thought he should have gotten the start over Matt Polster. Uh, I don't think there's a wrong answer here, whether you go with Polster blessing, Buck blessing, Polster Buck. Um, I, I think you have three very talented central midfielders. Uh, and I think in a diamond, obviously, you're going to play Polster as the six in the defensive midfield. But and he, if you look at the heat map, he had a lot of defensive responsibilities that let, that let everyone else in the midfield uh, push up and, and do their thing. Uh, but I, I think that Noel Buck, as I say, has been playing pretty well. Uh, I think that the kid deserved to stay in the starting lineup. I think this is a bit of a tough luck situation for him moving out. Do, do you think this Polster blessing, obviously it worked out really well today. Do you think this is the central midfield pairing going forward? It, it wouldn't surprise me if it is. I just do think that Polster is that guy who can kind of lock things down, even though, you know, there's definitely were some errors tonight, you know, just some turnovers or, you know, poor touches, I definitely think Noel can compete for it. I think he'll have to prove a little bit more. He'll have to show kind of more consistency. But I, I think Bruce Arena is going to stick with Pulsar, just that veteran 
aspect and just someone who can lock it down. And same with Latif, you know, he's a veteran of MLS who's played for quite some time. I expect Noel to continue to get minutes off the bench, but I think there's still some part of his game that needs to be improved. Obviously, you've seen the size. I think it's that, that consistency, especially the last game against NYCFC, didn't have the best game. Also, I think part of it was he was just left out in the field way too long. He looked absolutely exhausted, so that played into it. But if I had to peek into the mind of Bruce Arena, I would have to imagine that Matt Polster stays in the lineup. Same goes with the teeth. But I do think Matt Polster might be feeling a little bit more if you know Buck continues to play well, if he has some great performances off the bench. He seems like the, the next guy out who's really competing for a job, especially this offseason. You went out and acquired Blessing. Be quite the move to just relegate him to a bench role. So I think if Buck is going to take over anyone, it probably is going to be Matt Polster. Matt Polster, for what it's worth, had a very solid game. I had some discussion with some people prior to the game uh, that I, I preferred Buck over Polster in this situation. But Polster, great game from him. Uh, 64 for 69 on passing. That's 93%. 82 touches in that full 90 minutes. He was 2 for 2 on successful dribbles. Eight passes into the final third, two for three on accurate long balls. He had three clearances, two interceptions, eight recoveries, dispossessed once. He also blocked a shot in the first half. Uh, he, he blocked a shot in the box that the uh, loose ball was shot again. It led to a pretty easy save from Petrovic, so he kind of put out a fire there. Uh, ground duels, he was only two for seven. His ground duel percentage has been, I think, pretty bad throughout this entire season. Every time I look at a box where it seems like Polster's ground duels numbers, according to FootMob, uh, is never really that good he seems to be in the 30 40 percentage a lot uh that doesn't really feel that way uh either way a really solid game for matt polster so i think noel buck is getting the uh tough luck boot out of the starting lineup uh, at least for the near future because i think that's this polster blessing pairing uh worked out as intended uh when bruce drew it up in the offseason sam any other players we need to praise tonight i think we could praise pretty much everyone i don't know if even off the bench um i mean Guys that came in, Andrew Farrell, uh, Brioni, Buck, Altador, and Jack P. I guess Jack P. didn't have too much of, a, of an impact tonight, but it seemed like everyone else had, had a pretty solid role. Uh, and I don't know, there's there's not many negative things I can say, but is there anyone you personally want to praise uh, before we move on to listener questions? I mean, you know, I also, also think, you know, Gustavo Bo had an, another solid performance. And I also do, I do want to give a shout out to Carlos Hill. Uh, he passed Lee, Lee Wynn for... Uh, Second all-time in assists, I believe, his 51st assist with that uh, Dylan Barrero goal. So he just continues to etch this amazing legacy uh, in New England. And I think Charlie uh, said it on the broadcast, and it's probably true. He's going to go down as the best player in Revolution history. You know, there's definitely been some great players. But if he's, especially if he's able to get New England an MLS Cup, it's going to be really hard to argue that he isn't the best player in history. And you have guys like Taylor Twelman and Charlie Davies continuing to say that he is. So who am I to argue against them? But another, you know, milestone for Carlos Hill, well-deserved, and he just continues to be one of the best players in MLS today. Mm-hmm. What was the milestone? It was assist, his career assist. I believe Lee Wynn had 50 totals, so he was tied. And then on the Barrero, uh, goal he was able to get the secondary assist with Braun the 51. Gotcha. Secondary assist. I was going to say Gustavo. I have Gustavo Bo as the assist here. So that makes a lot more sense. And it's worth noting too, Carlos Hill also adding that penalty. Uh, he also had two really close uh, potential assists. I, I mentioned in the 15th minute, uh, the, the through ball to Barrero where the goalkeeper uh, beats Dylan to the ball. Uh, but that was a, a very, very dangerous 
uh, pass with some great vision from Carlos Hill. Uh, also, there was kind of a chip pass to Dewan Jones, who went streaking into the box. Dewan Jones um, took a shot. It was a nice save by the keeper uh, with the left leg that went out for a corner kick. So Carlos Hill could have had multiple assists uh, in this game uh, tonight. He had some very, very nice chances he set up. So uh, pretty, pretty good game from him. As always, uh, and, and as you mentioned, you also mentioned Gustavo Bo, uh, who uh, uh, had the assist off of the Dylan Barrero goal. Uh, he had some nice plays tonight. Um, he seemed pretty dangerous playing out on that wing. Um, yeah, really, really good uh, game all the way around. Also, we got to mention Petrovic, another clean sheet. Uh, this defense has been pretty solid. This is going to be a very, very difficult team to score against uh, at home. Uh, the Romney-Kessler partnership looked great. CF Montreal is a, an inferior opponent that I'm not going to take too, too much away from, but um, this defense uh, looks really, really solid. Uh, one note we should mention, Henry Kessler left at halftime of this game. Uh, Andrew Farrell came on in relief for him. Uh, Sam, what I, I believe Jeff Lemieux tweeted out that Revscom said that it was an injury, but it sounded like after the game, uh, it was talked about in the press conference, it sounds like it was precautionary and, and Kessler is not expected to have any sort of injury or miss any time. Yeah, I asked Bruce about it and, you know, he said it was precautionary. He did, I, I specifically asked if, you know, there was any concern and he said there wasn't any. So I would expect Henry Kessler to go along, but obviously, uh, as Revolution fans will know, the injury report and the player avail- avail- player availability report uh, can be quite confusing to get a read on. So probably worth keeping an eye on, but at least according to Bruce, immediately it doesn't seem to be too big of a concern. Good to hear, uh, and hopefully we see Kessler back out there next week uh, against a, a more difficult opponent, I think, I assume. I think everyone's a more difficult opponent than Montreal uh, in Sporting Kansas City. So let's hop over to some listener questions here. Uh, first, let's go to Mike Kennedy. Was tonight's starters the Rebs' best 11? Um, I think if you asked me this before the game, I think I could make the argument that Noel Buck uh, might have a, a, a chance to start over Polster. I, I think that might depend on matchups. Uh, and I also I think Noel Buck kind of profiles more as an eight. He might be more of a like-to-like player as a blessing than Polster, who's more of a six. Uh, so outside of that, though, I don't know how you can make the argument this isn't the Revs' best 11. So, Sam, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would definitely say with how performances have been so far, it is is the best 11, especially the back line. The back line, I think, is completely locked down. I think Andrew Farrell, as much as he would love to be starting a bunch of games, I think he might get relegated to more of a bench role, you know, like we saw tonight come in for someone like Henry Kessler. If they're trying to be careful or, you know, even being able to bring on a veteran like Andrew Farrell for whether it be Kessler or Dave Romney, it's quite the asset to have. So I think your back line's pretty solid. Obviously, the same with Petro. Obviously, I think ideally you'd like your designated player striker to be part of your best 11. Uh, so. Hopefully, Yakimo Veroni is able to make it in there. But right now, Bobby Wood has, again, his hold up play has been superb, and he's really proved Bruce Arena right for bringing him in. So I think right now, this is probably the best lineup that you can trot out. Mm-hmm. A lot of apologies, including uh, from me, about uh, Bobby Wood. Uh, Bruce Arena certainly pulling the right levers in this offseason. Uh, Evan Ryan, a.k.a. Evan Ream, he asks us, should we take any stock from this match? I, I do think you should take some stock in the fact that, obviously, Montreal, not a good team. You had Romel Kyoto, very good striker, wasn't able to really make an impact and, you know, struggled with sort of injuries. But I think the fact that New England was able to go out and, you know, get a 4 nothing victory shouldn't be, you know, taken lightly. This is what should have been expected. You wanted to score multiple goals, and especially goals coming from Bobby Wood, Giacomo Veroni. 
you expect Carlos Hill to score goals, and I think this season with how he's performed, you expect Dylan Barrera to make plays like that. So I think you should be pleased with New England being able to put up the number that they were able to. But when it comes to these difficult teams, you know, being able to go up against someone uh, like Lucas Aleron and hopefully being able to find a way to win, you know, those are going to be a bit more stock in those wins. But the Revolution came out and they did what they're supposed to do. Uh, so I think Revolution fans should be pleased and should be able to at least take that away. Same goes for, uh, you know, the back line and Georgia Petrovic continuing to play well. You can only play what's in front of you and they've continued to be pretty lights out from the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan asks us, Romney had a great game and seems to be a good fit with Kessler and Farrell. I was hoping Brioni could pull off some magic and it happened. Hopefully this will be the confidence boost he needs. If you could have changed anything this from this game, uh, what would it have been? I don't know if I would change too, too much. Um, I think maybe if Bobby Wood could score that header in the fourth minute, maybe I'd feel better about that because that is the one thing that gives me pause because that really should have been buried early. And I think against a better team where you're not going to get a million chances, that's going to come back to haunt you. Uh, but outside of that, there wasn't, this wasn't a perfect game from the Revolution, but they needed a really strong game against an inferior opponent in Montreal that didn't have a full squad and, and they delivered. So I don't know if I would change a whole ton from this game. Um, Sam, is there anything you can think of that you would change from today's result? I'm going to go with nothing, uh, but what would you change? I mean, honestly, I think it's a perfect game. If you're, if I'm speaking for myself, I, I would love to see a jersey off the door goal. That just would have caused chaos. Uh, so I would have loved that. Maybe I would have loved to see Omar get some playing time. But this is basically a perfect game. The fact that Veroni was able to score at the end, it, it was almost storybook-esque. So, uh I think, honestly, it was pretty much the perfect game you could ask for against Montreal. Uh, I will also say, if you missed it, I, I tweeted this out on Twitter, but uh, if you missed it, if you go back and watch Carlos Heel's goal, uh, someone pointed this out that you, uh, while he's lining up for the penalty kick, they bring out the people that are doing the bubble soccer. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> so the people in bubble soccer are all lining up behind the goal, and when he scores, they all kind of bop up and down, uh, which was uh, quite the visual. So uh, if you're not on Twitter and you don't find that video on our Twitter feed, uh, I guess go on Apple TV and rewatch that Carlos heel goal and watch the, the bubbles in the background bounce uh, when he scores. Uh, so it was really a, a great night on on all ends. I guess, actually, if I could change one thing, I'd want Noel Buck to score so we can finally figure out what his goal song is because that, mm. I think, is going to be the biggest mystery of the season. Yeah, I, I actually, you know, had a conversation with the comms team and apparently it's going to surprise some people the song he goes with. I can confirm, I did ask this, it is not Nuck If You Buck. I, I thought that would have been amazing if he went for that. Also, too, uh, I want to send uh, thoughts and prayers to Noel Buck. Taylor Swift broke up with her boyfriend, I believe, according to reports. So we were talking in the press box. Maybe Buck might have been a little bit more motivated to score a goal, you know, for his girl. But uh, just want, want to send him uh, some love there uh, after that terrible news. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thoughts and prayers to really Taylor Swift. I, if anything, well, anyway, I'm not going to talk about Taylor Swift's love life. Anyway, moving on. Um, Charles Maddox says, I'm buzzing with this result, but how many results do we need before we can say this team is in proper form? I, I mean, I, it's really difficult because this team is playing well. I think, obviously, the New York game left a sour taste in people's mouths. But this team has just found ways to win. And I think if we continue to see that, whether it be in tight games or whether it be in these games where rev- the Revolution are supposed to beat their opponents and beat them you know, with flair, in a sense, I think that's really the true barometer. If we go back to last season, where it just seemed like New England always found a way to lose. Uh, 
that's when you start getting concerned. I don't know if there's a magic number or whatever it may be sometimes. As the kids say, it's just vibes. Uh, but I think it's more just how New England is finding ways to win and if they're taking advantage of the opportunities that they get. I don't think you have to reach a certain barometer. I, but I think this team has played quite well. I think they've gotten off to a great start, one that I've kind of been at least a little bit surprised by. And the fact that they're at the top of the Eastern Conference, uh, Eastern Conference is packed with talent. I think, you know, Revolution fans should take some stock in that and should be excited for what this team can do. Obviously, again, very early, but you can't control, you know, the teams that are in front of them. All you can control is what your team does, and the Revolution right now are one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. So I think you should take some stock in that, and there's no magic number uh, that you can wait for uh, results to actually matter. Yeah, what I will say is, oh, I guess, by the way, I said earlier that the Revs are playing Sporting Kansas City next. They're playing Columbus Crew next. Uh, I, I guess what I, I will say is that I, when the Revs have a game where they seem to be, I don't want to say the underdog, but a, a really quality team, um, you know, I, I, their best win so far this season, I guess, was Nashville. Uh, and Nashville was missing some players in that game, maybe Charlotte. Uh, but I don't think Charlotte profiles to be a MLS Cup contender. So you're right. They're beating the teams they need to beat. And I think that is a very promising sign. And you can only play the teams that are in front of you. Uh, but I'm really curious to see how this team does uh, when they face off against more of the top teams in the East. Uh, so I, I, I'm still a little hesitant on this team. I'm still not entirely sure if I like them as MLS Cup contenders. Um, but uh, certainly I, I think that it's very promising when you have a bad team like Montreal comes in and it is not even a contest. If this was a one nothing game uh, or if this was a game where the revs were really struggling or, you know, it was a little bit of a back and forth. I, I think that, you know, we, we could be a little bit worried, but uh, this was a, a real strong game all the way around. And um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's time you can get a little bit excited about this team if you aren't already. So panic meter is very low. I'll put it that way. First, first panic button meter uh, of the season. Uh, I think we're down around like a 1.5. Uh, very, very low right now. The revs are doing great. Um, Silverfoot on uh, Twitter has a couple of comments. Uh, Ref was awesome, even with the weird VAR check. Uh, Dewan Jones was given space and ate it up. Bo had creative crosses, uh, but where's the rocket? Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. We did not see a Gustavo Bo uh, rocket. He had a couple of long-range shots, but n- nothing really too, too dangerous from Gustavo Bo uh, shot-wise tonight. Uh, more donuts from uh, Petrovic's clean sheet. Petro also getting an assist. He also says Montreal isn't very good, and Brioni's goal should have never happened. Uh, that that there's also that's that's pretty fair. Uh, I don't have any real comments on uh, Silverfoot's uh, comment right there. Uh, any anything to add onto that uh, comment from Silverfoot? Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I completely do not because I just watched Noel Buck get into a car, and I really feel the urge to let him know about Taylor Swift, but I won't. I appreciate you not abandoning this podcast for uh, to to harass uh, a teenager about his thoughts on Taylor Swift. I really appreciate you not doing that right now. I got you, Greg. Hassam Kawaf uh, on Twitter says uh, the Vrioni goal was the cherry on top. His teammates celebrating him like that, celebrating him like that was beautiful. Love his goal celebration as well. Uh, we did also get a comment from uh, Teal Forever on Twitter. On a scale of 1 to 10, how do you rate Vrioni's goal song? I say 10 out of 10 as it delightfully reminds me of what I would have heard when I studied abroad in the Czech Republic in the early 2010s. Uh, I actually don't even remember his goal song uh, and I know nothing about Czech Republic so I, I don't know if I, that's a fair comparison. Uh, but Sam, uh, rate Vrioni's goal song. 
Uh, so I can't rate the goal song. Uh, I'm going to be complete. I just absolutely blacked out in that moment. As soon as I saw the celebration, I can give you plenty of thoughts on the celebration. Uh, so first, I'm like, that's Erling Holland. He's breaking out the Erling Holland. But apparently on the broadcast, Charlie said he's breaking out the Zava. So now we have the controversy. Is Giacomo Veroni a big Ted Lasso fan or a big Erling Holland fan? But once again, it, you could just kind of tell how much that goal meant to him. Just leaping into the air fist pump and then breaking out into uh the calm meditating uh you know celly that we have seen from erling holland it it was great celly i think you got to give him like a nine out of ten on that celly so celly season has arrived in new england and yakimo veroni knows how to do it so credit to him uh again i did not notice the goal song i also can't get over how bobby wood's goal song is still uh the boys are back by dropping murphy's uh he hasn't changed that yet can't wait to see what his choice actually ends up being. Uh, I also think that Vrioni deserves point for, points for that celebration in a three uh, nothing game that is well out of reach. That everyone is kind of, you know, there's not a lot of intensity to that game, uh, and then he scores a, a long range shot and uh, really just goes all in on the celebration. So loved it. Ten out of ten. Uh, great job. Uh, Teal Forever also says Farrell looked good. How do they juggle the three center backs going forward? I think Farrell is the bench guy at this stage. I think Kessler and Romney are your guys going forward. Sam, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd have to agree. He seems kind of that odd man out unless Bruce Arena for some reason wants to switch to like a three-man back line, which I don't see happening. I think especially when it comes to the U.S. Open Cup, we found out that the Reds will play Hartford. Maybe that's a perfect time to uh, play Andrew Farrell and maybe kind of rotate that squad. Uh, But so far, Henry Kessler and Dave Romney have really built some great chemistry. They've looked great together. It was really interesting seeing uh, Romney and Kessler. It seemed like Romney was kind of taking a bit more of a leadership role and just playing with a really high line and making sure everybody was, you know, together and on the same page. So credit to Dave Romney. But, I, I yeah, I think Andrew Farrell is kind of going to take a step back in terms of his role and the amount of minutes he's going to play. And when it comes to U.S. Open Cup or, you know, maybe even League's Cup, that will be his time to shine and really get some minutes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I don't think you can have any complaints about Romney and Kessler, just like how you can't have any complaints when you use Galasso kits. Galasso kits mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jackets, jar- jerseys, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. They have United States men's merch, Revs merch, merch from your favorite European club that you can support from afar. So go to GalassoKits.com for whatever you need in your closet. And if you're not sure what you want, go check out their mystery kit packages where you enter in the size and the style of jersey that you like and Galasso will surprise you with the kit of your dreams so check out GalassoKits.com today for their full selection and make sure you follow them at GalassoKits on Twitter and GalassoKits on Instagram they have updates on their new inventory every single week and their updates are getting larger and larger every single week and when you find something you like make sure you use promo code RevsRecap to save 15% off your order that is promo code RevsRecap at GalassoKits.com and save 15% off your order links and code are in the show notes uh, Sam, let's go back to Evan Evan Ryan here. He says, since Wood and Brioni scored, should we see these two start next week and have Bo come off the bench to give them some rest? I I think that's quite the interesting proposition. But I think especially against Columbus Crew, a pretty talented team, you, you still want to get Gustavo Bo and I would say Bobby Wood out there. It's going to be a tough game. You're heading to Columbus. Uh, Bruce Arena said, you know, expecting a packed crowd. You know, got that nice uh, new stadium that they have. I, I think you're going to need a real complete effort. 
And I think right now, Gustavo Bo and Bobby Wood are your top strikers. I think even statistically, they're your top strikers. So I, I don't think it's time to rest players. Obviously, it is very early in the season. But once you get to the end, those points can become very crucial. We saw it again last season with how uh, those wins that the Revs blew, uh, the points that they lost ended up really costing them, and that's why they missed the playoffs. So I think you need to rack up as many points as you can early on the season, especially with how healthy the New England Revolution are after last season. It's a real pleasant sight to see. So I think you can't really rest players right now. you got to you know, go all out per se and you know, have your top strikers and Bobby Wood and Gustavo Bell playing. Mm-hmm. And usually Bruce does not change up people after a good win. Uh, so I can almost guarantee you that unless there is an injury uh, or, or a player is unavailable, I can almost guarantee you we're going to see this same starting 11 uh, next week. Uh, Randy LH, great to see Vrioni get a goal, but seems a little unfair to ask him to prove himself in the last 30 minutes of a match when they're up 3-0 and Josie is their 10, right? Uh, despite uh, Does scoring despite all that mean he should get a start next week? Uh, we we kind of covered that, but I wanted to uh, touch on Randy's comment because I think it is true that Vrioni is really not going to impress you too much. 30 minutes is is kind of a very small sample. Uh, it's very hard to get into the flow of a game when the game has already been decided. So um, I, I, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. I think Vrioni didn't have a great game before that goal. Uh, he still seems to have kind of some problems uh, linking up with the team compared to Wood. Uh, but I, I do hope that he eventually gets a start. I feel like the U.S. Open Cup game is a perfect opportunity to kind of get him those minutes. Uh, but I think eventually you're going to have to start starting him uh, at some stage, or you need to look into loaning him out, moving on from him, and opening up that designated player spot, which I don't think they're going to sell him this year, but maybe a loan is in order. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think this role for Vrioni, uh, I'm curious to see how long it works out for him. Yeah, I think eventually, like you said, you just have to give him a start. Obviously, the U.S. Open Cup makes sense. Uh, there'll be some talk about him going up against perceived lesser talent in the USL Championship. Uh, but I think it will be a good chance for him to kind of show his skill and show that he is, you, you know, however above, you know, the, that level of play. But especially in MLS, I think eventually you're going to have to give him a start. Maybe Bobby Wood does start to fade a little bit, but so far he hasn't shown any, you know, signs of fading. But eventually you're going to have to give him a 90-minute performance to show what he can do because it's very tough, like you said, whether it be 30 minutes or we've even seen him get you know, little time than that, you know, 10, 15 minutes. So I think eventually Bruce is going to have to take a little leap of faith and uh, give him a 90-minute start. Mm-hmm. Patrick Delaney says, we need to stop viewing Vrioni as a like-for-like replacement of Buxa in terms of style. He isn't a back-to-goal striker and loves running beyond the back line or with the ball at his feet. I think that's a pretty decent point, and I wonder if maybe they can move him out to a wing if they need to. I mean, I, I don't know who, who you'd take off there. Um I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea to kind of try it. I did think it was pretty funny that Rioti was playing up top and Josie was playing as a 10. Uh, maybe maybe if you switch those two around, uh, that, that would work out a little bit better. But I can't imagine you're going to have that scenario pop up much. So um, I, I think there's some kind of truth here. It seems like he isn't really fitting into that Buxa role. Um, but I'm not really sure what the answer is because it just doesn't seem like he's really gelling with this team in general. And I, I, Maybe a position switch or moving him around might might aid that, um, but I, I, I feel like this is just a chemistry issue more than anything else. Yeah, and, you know, I'd have to agree. We all expected uh, Veroni to come in and to start racking up headers uh, similar to Adam Buxa, and that just doesn't seem to be his game. Obviously, it would benefit someone like Dewan Jones or Brandon Bai, who are 
used to just sending those crosses in, but it just doesn't appear to be Yakimo's game. So it will be interesting to see how he adjusts and maybe how the New England Revolution adjusts. You know, kudos to Josie for somehow developing the ability to play 10, but it also did look like as uh, after Jack Penioto came in, Josie seemed to kind of slot a little bit more forward towards uh, alongside Yakimo Veroni in, in that sense. But I think, you know, someone like Veroni is a different player than Buxa, like you mentioned. The comparisons seem to not be lining up, and we even heard it again in the broadcast, uh, the Buxa Veroni comparison, but they're just not the same player. You're not going to see someone like Veroni going up and getting Heathers, or at least we haven't seen it so far during his time with the New England Revolution. And he showed the skill that he does have, so I think it's on the coaching staff and obviously on Vrioni just to find the perfect mesh and find a way to best utilize him. And if they're able to do that, I think he can become a fine striker. But if not, and if they're not able to get playing time, like you mentioned before, the Revolution are really going to have to weigh if he's worth the DP and if they really need to uh, move on from him. I don't think it should be too hard either with a two-striker setup. I mean, I, I feel like you have some variety in your personnel to find a way to get him into spots that are, I don't know, make it easy for him. But I don't know. I, I think right now Bruce knows the hot hand is Bobby Wood, Gustavo Bo. The results are good. I was talking to someone about this last week. Uh, I think it was on Discord. And you know, we brought up the point that, you know, if Rioni is benched, but you're winning game after game after game, it's not an issue, but if he's benched and you're losing games, then that kind of is very, very telling. So I, I think Bruce just likes to play the hot hand, and as long as you get the W, what's it matter? And I, I think he kind of views that, and I wonder if you know if there's a summer slump, if you bring in Vrioni, are you gonna? How long is it? How long until you figure out the perfect way to use him, the most productive way to use him? If someone gets hurt, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I I don't think this is a problem they can ignore all year long. Uh, but right now, sitting here in the first week of April, um, I think the Revs are kind of content just to uh, tell them, to tell us to get it out of our heads. So, um, Tyler O'Brien says, I'm interested in your thoughts on the formation. We've seen a lot of different shapes so far this year. This seemed to be more of a 4-3-3, like Kalen Carr mentioned a few times. Don't necessarily love Bo wide left, but looks dangerous. Uh, and just disclaimer that if Bruce was here, he'd tell you that uh, the formations are just a starting point, uh, and then they all kind of run around and it doesn't really matter. Uh, but we'll talk about the formation. Uh, Sam, what are your thoughts on uh, the formation the Revs are playing? Again, more of a 4-3-3 uh, tonight with uh, Bo moving out to the left, Wood up top. Uh, and kind of heel uh, and Barrero kind of working on the right. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on this formation tonight? Yeah, I was really intrigued to see how uh, Dylan Barrero, you know, kind of working on the opposite side that he's used to. And again, I thought he had a fantastic game. So kudos to him showing that flexibility and just ability to, you know, be out on the right. It's interesting with Gustavo. It seems like when he does go out on the wing, he can have some hit or miss games, but he definitely performed well today. I think maybe he's better suited to playing in that striker role, possibly, you know, alongside Bobby Wood. But I just think it, it was a really, um, again, like we said, a perfect game. So I don't think you can have too many complaints. It'll be interesting to see what goes forward. Obviously, if you were to insert someone like Giacomo Veroni, I don't exactly know if something like a 4 3 3 would work. I think pop, having Bo alongside Veroni might be best. Uh, but so far, it worked tonight, and if it worked tonight, like we've said, Bruce is probably going to go back to it again. So we could start seeing more of a 4-3-3 uh, in the future. I think it's also, there's kind of some kudos to Bruce to playing different ways depending on the opponent. 
you know, playing Montreal today, uh, I think he could go a little bit more aggressive and more attacking uh, and, and putting Bo and um, uh, Barrero on opposite sides really kind of worked out. Whereas in previous weeks, you go with the diamond uh, and you need a defensive midfielder in there uh, who, who kind of sits back, you know? So I, I think that this formation, I don't think we're going to see it week by week, uh, but it kind of goes to tell you that there is some versatility on this team and they can play differently against different teams. And I think how they play Montreal is different than how they played New York City FC last week. And it's going to be different against how they play Columbus next week. So um, Steve McGrogan says, uh, who knew they'd be Petro to be the one that unlocks Vrioni? Petro saves Vrioni's form. Is there anything he can't save? It's a really good point. Does Petro deserve all the credit for Vrioni's goal? Uh, I mean, definitely, 100%. Giacomo Veroni basically did nothing. But uh, not in serious. I think yeah, uh, George A. Petrich is kind of reaching that level, similar to Carlos Heel, where just night night in and night out, they just have great performances. And especially with Heel, you know, I wrote about it in my three thoughts. The games that he has that are letdowns for him are, like, great games for other people. And George A. Petrovich just continues to have great game after great game. You know, I've noticed that his distribution has been a little bit concerning. And I think it kind of started when he was on international duty with Serbia. And there's been some moments this season. But his shot-stopping ability, absolutely absurd. He continues to make great saves. I know there was there's one save he made where he was just able to get down to the ground so fast to stop it. And it was just, he has so, so much athleticism. I can't gush over him enough. He's going to go down, I would say, as a much better goalkeeper than Matt Turner. And you have the likes of Manchester United, Liverpool sniffing around you. It just shows how great of a player he is. So can Georgia Petrovic basically do anything? That's probably the case. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, great game from him. He wasn't tested too, too much tonight. Uh, expected goals for CF Montreal was 0.56. Even that seems high to me. Um, I guess he did have a, a couple of shots on target that he faced. But I, I got to be honest with you, I feel like Montreal didn't do a lot. And, you know, I, I think the one thing about these previous years with Turner and Petrovic in goal is that the defense has had some games that have just been terrible. I mean, how many penalty kick saves did uh, uh, Petrovic have last season? Um, there, you know, it's, I think Turner and Petrovic really stood on their heads in a lot of games. And now that we seemingly have a center back pairing that is pretty solid, maybe not the best in MLS, maybe not even a top five in MLS, but um, very consistent. Dave Romney has been everything advertised. Um, I, I mean, it makes Petrovic's job so much easier, and he's not called into a game 10, 12 times. He's, he's called into a game, you know, four or five times, and, and it just seems like it is a uh, much safer uh, in the back right now. And uh, it's hard not to have full confidence in, in Petrovic when he's got a pretty solid backline in front of him. Uh, so I, I think if there's one thing that you can really kind of point to at the Revs and say, this is how they win MLS Cup, it's that it's that defense. It's that defense and that goalkeeping. And um, I think right now you can make a really strong argument that Petrovic is the best goalkeeper in the league. So and he, he and he apparently is a. He, I don't see Andre Blake making assists. I'm just gonna say that. Well, Philly fans are not gonna be happy of this conversation. Mm, well, good thing they're not listening. Philly doesn't get a right to talk. They lost to Montreal. That's pretty embarrassing. Uh, Steve also says that was a bananas game. Altador playing the ten, Petra with an assist. Uh, yes, very bananas game. A lot of fun. Just some games every now and then. You just get one that's a lot of fun. Um, that's just a complete mess. It reminds me of the Miami five nothing game. That's just a full laugher all the way through. Uh, and also shout out to uh, I, I don't understand this at all. Um, but coming into this game, I mean for the gamblers, 
Brevs were minus 115. I didn't tweet it out because I didn't want to jinx anyone. But if you follow any of the other, if you, the MLS uh, gambling podcast there, uh, you know, the I-80 sports, uh, they do their, their sports book book. Uh, I, I know uh, uh, Joe from, uh, uh, boy, what is it? The Philly sports, uh, uh, boy, I follow him on Substack, but I follow a couple of soccer MLS handicappers and, uh, and very few people are very good at it. Everyone picked the revs this week. I don't know why it was priced minus 115, uh, but that was a gift from the gods and, uh, everything I bet on, uh, I tried jinxing this team with my bets, revs minus 115 revs to win, uh, and not concede, uh, Montreal, not to score revs minus 1.5, everything hit. Glorious night, glorious night, uh, and I, I, I'm not sure why the sports book did not catch on to the fact that Montreal is garbage. Yeah, kudos to uh, someone I know who betted uh, Dylan Barrero first half goal. I believe the odds were plus 700. That bad boy hit. Uh, that person is a profit for quite literally for uh, having that bet. So kudos to them. Kudos to that person that I guess we are not naming on this podcast because he probably does not want to be known. Good job. Um, <laughs> um Traeger uh Traeger asks uh, was Bo offsides on the Barrero goal but they gave it to us as a makeup call for last week very good question uh Traeger um I, I will also say I, I mean no I, I think the Barrero goal was clean but I also thought last goals last week's goal was clean apparently uh Tanner and Sean disagreed with me on that one I, I kind of agree with the people that were outraged uh it led to a lot of conversation about the rule and hit a point where I just don't want to even think about it anymore because uh, I, I got very tired of the Twitter discourse, uh, so I don't know if last week's goal was was good or not. But uh, what I will say is that I feel like the VAR uh, check today, which was completely stupid and meaningless, was just uh, the referees showing off that VAR actually does work at Gillette Stadium. Kind of like a see, there's not a real problem here because uh, apparently it wasn't working last week or something like that. Uh, so that that's my thought. The VAR stuff uh, from today was complete nonsense and a complete waste of five minutes. Uh, Sam, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I definitely think that once you went to the monitor for that handball and you saw the image, it was really tough. I'm so sorry. There's someone in a cart right next to me, but they are leaving. Um, was it yeah. no buck? No, nah, it's not no buck. It's not no buck. I wish. I wish. We could talk some T-Swift. But yeah, I think overall, once you went to the monitor, there wasn't turning that goal back. It was clear as day that his arm was out from his body. Uh, so definitely, you know, kudos to the refereeing crew. It was very interesting to see how the discourse continued with Bruce Arena kind of saying that Pro was like, yeah, we messed it up, and but we haven't heard anything from Pro. A lot of referee talk that I personally wish uh, we didn't have to have, and we could just focus on the players who were doing the playing. Uh, but kudos to VAR for working tonight, because if it didn't, I feel like Bruce Arena would have gone on a 15-minute rant. So at least they saved us from that. Mm-hmm. And it's always good when it leads to a Bruce Arena 15-minute rant. And I did love that the question was, how's this team feeling or something like that? And then it ended up just absolute side absolute side journey there uh, where Bruce dipped into the uh, refereeing. Uh, so that was that was absolutely wonderful from Bruce. Sometimes Bruce gives you an answer that you just love. Uh, I, I mean, peak Bruce is just unmatched. Um, we just got a question from John Pilkington. Is it time to bench Carlos for Josie? Very good question. This is the real question. Mm, yes, I mean, I think at this point, Carlos needs to give the literal number 10 to Josie out the door. Uh, but yeah, kudos to Josie. I mean, at least having that versatility. You know, we got to talk to him last week, me and Tom Quinn, and he seems to, you know, have the right mindset and is really excited about what this team to do. So kudos to him. I mean, he can only do what Bruce has him do, which is coming on the bench and really give some hard minutes. And 
annoy defenders, and he, he's done that so far. So kudos to him. The effort is there too. I feel like the effort was lacking a little bit last year, um, and it seems like this role he's accepted it, and he is working pretty decently. Um, so I, I mean, he hasn't scored yet. It hasn't led to him being on the score sheet, uh, but I'm hopeful that. Uh, if he's in a reduced role coming off the bench as a super sub or something like that, it seems like it is, is working uh, pretty decently. And uh, I will also say very, very quick uh, cursed revs uh, getting exposed here is uh, me on the last podcast saying over under uh, 3.5 Josie appearances. I believe this was his third uh, this, this week. So uh, very quickly uh, hitting the over, we might hit the over before May. Uh, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Props to Josie. Um, a couple of questions or comments here from Discord real fast before we wrap up today. TSB11 says that was dot, 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 refreshing. Very refreshing. I don't know why there's a question mark. That was very refreshing. I thought that was a great game. I wish every game was like this. I wish we played Montreal more often. Yeah, um, I love I love four, four nothing games. They, they make my life a lot easier. They make everyone in the locker room happy. Who doesn't love a 4 nothing game? I, I don't know how the Revs ended up with like 2 point. Uh, I saw the expected goals. It was like 2.2. Or something like that, um, and I don't know how that's possible. I mean, two point oh nine. This was a laugher. I thought this should have been more than four uh, nothing, but anyway, is what it is. Um, this this was a, a real fun game. Just complete one way traffic the whole way. Um, four different goal scorers could have had six different goal scorers. Just a lot of fun. Um, Josie playing the ten. Come on. Um, Porter also asks us, uh, we could have had this earlier in the, uh, the the episode when we were talking about if the Revs are for real, but he asks us, are the Revs closer to 10th or 1st at the end of the regular season? A very good question. Sam, mm-hmm. why don't I give you first dibs at this? Yeah, I think it is a very interesting question because when I came into the season, I would probably say that, or I did say that the Revs were kind of a team that would sneak into the playoffs, you know, kind of that 6-7 area, but... I think right now, I mean, I still have to go with 10th. I'm sorry. I, I love this team. I think that they're going to prove me wrong. I know it. I know it right now. But I do think it is still too early for, to see them possibly getting a second or third. So if I had to guess right now, I, I think they're still closer to 10th, maybe kind of in that 6-7 area. See, I uh, I was with you at the beginning of the season. Um, I'm starting to kind of turn around that maybe this is a home playoff game team. Although again, I forget the playoff settings, top four team. Let's just say top four team. I, I forget how the playoffs work cause they changed too much. The East I think is a lot weaker than I thought. I mean, outside of, outside of Cincinnati, who I think I heard a stat that, the, that Cincinnati's lost two of their last like 25 MLS regular season games or something like that. Um, Cincinnati is apparently sneaky a lot better than a lot of people realize um so cincinnati is looking pretty solid outside of that i I haven't really been too impressed with people atlanta is currently third in the east behind the revs with 14 points through seven games columbus who they're playing next week i think i I think they might change my mind a little bit if they come out and have a a great game and and they've got a new coach in nazi so they might come out if they beat the revs pretty handedly maybe i'd say okay columbus is going to be a contender in the east a lot of teams that I thought would stand out, Philadelphia, Toronto, um, not not really. Um, Nashville is pretty strong in the back. They've only conceded twice through through seven games, but they're Drawsville. So, you know, I, I there's not a lot of teams so far that has really wowed me in the Eastern Conference. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of crap. I think Montreal is crap. I think D.C. United is not very good. I, I don't think Miami is very good. Um, the Red Bulls apparently are not very good this year either. I, I wasn't too impressed with New York City FC last week. Um, 
yeah, I'm just not. There's a lot of teams that I'm just not impressed with the, with the Rebs. So between first and tenth, uh, I, I, I'm leaning first. Uh, if this was like first and seventh or first and eighth, I think maybe I'd be a little more middle of the pack. But the Rebs right now, uh, it's tough for me to argue this isn't a top five team in the East. Yeah, I, I definitely think going into the season, a team like Orlando and and maybe Miami, they were expected to perform a little bit better. So like you said, there have been some teams. That have been letdowns. I do think I'll never uh, root against Lorenzo Insigne. So seeing what he can do once they come back, they do have a much stronger team, especially with Sean Johnson and Nett. Matt Hedges uh, on the back line. They've had their injury issues. If they're able to figure it out, I think they could be a competitive team. But there have been some teams, like you mentioned, who have taken a step back. So it will be interesting to see if the Revs can capitalize and kind of get to the top of this new playoff format and be at, you know, at the top of the Eastern conference. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. Again, it's only seven games. The Revs have not played many, I'll call them tough opponents. Uh, they've played Montreal, Charlotte, uh, DC United right now. Those are the bottom three teams in the East. Obviously they played LAFC, which I think you can argue is their uh, uh, toughest uh, game so far of the season. I would imagine uh, that's going to be their toughest game of the, the season so far, but Dynamo and eh. uh, Nashville is probably their best win. Um, New York city FC, they got a draw against them. So a, a lot of teams, it, it'll be interesting to see them play uh, Columbus next week and see where they stand. And then I'm also looking at the May 7th game in Toronto. Uh, that'll be an interesting game. April 30th, FC Cincinnati. Uh, we're going to know a lot more about this team a month from now uh, than we do now. Um, Sam, any final thoughts before we wrap up here today? I mean, just kudos to the Rebs for coming out, complete 90-minute performance. And it was just an amazing game. And it was an absolute blast to watch. And I hope uh, everyone enjoyed it. And hopefully we get a lot more of these games because, again, they're lots of fun to uh, be around. And the team is obviously very happy about them. So let's, let's get more wins. I want all the wins and I want all the goals, Greg. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The the two things we want in life is just the Rebs to win more games like this, uh, more blowout w- wins for the New England Revolution, and for Taylor Swift to find love. If those yes. two things happen, I mean, that's perfect. Yeah, I also do, uh, final takeaway, sad to report, Bruce Arena will not be going to the Masters, as he mentioned on uh, 98.5 The Sports Hub. He did get the ticket. Uh, but for for some reason he will not be going to the Masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, ho- hopefully, ninety eight five finds uh, something that they can talk to Bruce about. Then uh, really, really terrible. Um, quick shout out to the Yukon Huskies. It's a little bit painful as I am a Providence College quasi fan. Uh, used to have a mini season pack with the Friars, so uh, I follow them. And right now, their basketball team is a little bit in shambles. Uh, a little bit in shambles with uh, Ed Cooley completely betraying the entire city of Providence. Uh, so uh, it's, it's pretty painful to then turn around uh, and give kudos to the Yukon Huskies. But great to see uh, the national title return to the Big East. Great to see the national title return to New England. Some people will say, Greg, Connecticut's not part of New England, but you forget that Stores Connecticut is in the New England part of Connecticut. That is part of New England, uh, but uh, the the southwest side of Connecticut is not New England. So even though Connecticut as a state is not a full member of New England, I still believe that UConn, uh, we, we can claim UConn. Uh, we won't claim the Merritt Parkway. We claim UConn. This is a national championship for New England. So congrats to the UConn Huskies. Uh, and also, while we're talking about the great state of Connecticut, uh, they will be the New England Revolution's first U.S. Open Cup opponent on April 25th. I believe that game is at Gillette Stadium uh, because the U.S. Open Cup is no fun 
fun anymore and they don't play the games in random colleges and fields uh so uh, they make it boring and they want to play it at a very empty gillette stadium so you can go uh with two thousand other people to the game uh, april 25th against hartford athletic um and by the way sam uh the blazing musket added a hartford athletic writer this year doing a great job yeah, shout out to Nathan or Robilliard. I might have mispronounced your last name, Nathan. But yeah, Nathan's been absolutely amazing. It's been great to see his coverage of uh, Hartford. He's done an absolutely amazing job. Nice to see him talk with Tab Ramos and the gang. And we have the, the Blazing Musket Derby, the first, the inaugural Blazing Musket Derby in the U.S. Open Cup. Nathan, I believe, will be in the press box with us. It's going to be an absolute blast. Also, too, Greg, Joe Rice Revenge Game. Well, it'll be interesting to see if he does get the start. Uh, he was able to get the start in their latest U.S. Open Cup game. Uh, but yeah, Joe Rice revenge game. Let's see what he can do. Blazing Musket Derby, Joe Rice revenge game, a completely empty Gillette Stadium uh, on a random Tuesday in April. What more could you want? Um, so uh, yeah, it will be fun to see. I believe this is the first ever uh, regular season, not regular season, but competitive game uh, between Hartford and the New England Revolution. I believe every game before has been friendlies, so uh, it'll be kind of fun to see a uh, Hartford-New England Revolution game uh, coming up here at the end of the month. So that does it for us here today. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap. Also make sure you're following us on Instagram and Facebook at Revolution Recap. Sam, where can the good people uh, of our podcast follow you on social media? Yeah, definitely make sure to follow me at Sam underscore Minton22 on Twitter and follow the blazing musket at blazing musket uh you can also follow us on instagram uh, i believe we are the blazing musket over there but yeah definitely you know make sure to check out all our work we got rhode island fc coverage we got hartford coverage we have vermont green coverage and of course we have revolution and revolution 2 coverage so make sure to check that out and also too you did mention uconn so i have to say congrats to jake hadanese uh, the man who loves all things connecticut for uh, that championship Oh, but yeah, Greg, thank you so much for having me. Love talking with you. Always a blast and always a blast to be on Revolution Recap. Yes, appreciate you uh, calling in from your car and giving the play-by-play of what players are uh, driving past you as you are on the phone talking to me. Uh, also, for our listeners, be sure to follow our friends at The Rebellion on Twitter and go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about The Rebellion and how you can get involved. Also, thank you to our sponsor, Galasso Kits. Uh, be sure to use our promo code REBSRECAP for 15% off of your order for anything in the store. Uh, there's tons and tons of inventory over there. So again, GalassoKits.com. Uh, promo code revs recap for 15% off and that does it for today make sure you are subscribed please give us a five-star review on itunes or spotify i believe we have passed 50 uh reviews on spotify i think we hit the 95 review mark on itunes i'm very excited to hit the 100 review mark on um uh, itunes so please if you have not reviewed us on itunes please help us get to 100 uh so uh, i can feel slightly better about myself uh and uh that's it that's it we'll be back next week for the columbus crew game not the sporting kansas city game following the columbus crew game we'll be back for another podcast until then thank you everyone for listening and go reps.